31. Hebrews 11 and verse 31 says this. By faith, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Thus far, we've discussed Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. And now in verse 31, we come to Rahab. Just a moment, we will go back to Joshua 2 and read the history. At the end of our lesson this morning, we will look ahead to James chapter 2 and get an important application. But before we do that, focus on the words that are stated here in Hebrews chapter 11 and an application that we can we can draw from the principle in this chapter. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. What was the outcome of Rahab's faith? The end result of Rahab's faith was that she did not perish with those that did perish. And of those, those that did perish, the, the reason they perished is because they lacked the faith that Rahab had. That's, that's the simple statement made in Hebrews 11.31, but it's a very important principle. The outcome of faith was averting God's judgment. The outcome of faith, end result of faith, was Rahab did not perish. Those who did experience God's judgment, those upon whom God's judgment fell, the reason they did not escape is they failed to exercise faith. When we read from Joshua 2 in just a moment, we'll notice all the people of Jericho heard the same report that Rahab heard. They all got the same news. They all got the same information. It led Rahab to exercise faith in God. The others didn't respond the way that she did. And because Rahab, Rahab responded differently to the information that all of them had, that's why she escaped the judgment that fell on the city. Now, the application for our lives is very simple and very clear. If we will place our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that is all that God requires, that is all that God asks, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and what will happen? Thou shalt be saved. What does saved mean? It means delivered. The, the, the only way for us to escape God's judgment is to trust in what God has done, to believe what God has promised, to depend upon the sacrifice made by God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have done that, you can be certain that when God's judgment falls, you will be Delivered. God so loved the world and gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said, John 10 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, that salvation is available to anybody who believes. Whosoever, John 3.16 said. The Bible says in Romans 3.22, the righteousness of God is unto all and upon all them that believe. 2 Peter 3.9, God is not willing that any should perish. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So, so everybody can be saved. 
Nobody has to go to hell. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But in order for us to escape that judgment, in order for us to not perish with them that perish, the only requirement is faith. The application reaches farther than merely salvation, however. It carries over to the Christian life as well. Think about all that we've learned in Hebrews 11 up to this point. What is faith? Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is believing God enough to do what he says. Faith is following in obedience even when it does not seem to turn out the way that we want it to or the way that we expected to. They obtained not the promises, but they embraced them. Remember verse 13. That's what faith is. So what is the outcome of faith? or the result of faith, not just in eternity, but in our everyday lives as well. If we will walk by faith and live by faith, then what we do by doing that is we avoid the destruction and ruin to those who who refuse to take heed to the warnings that God issues throughout his word that sin is harmful, sin is deceitful, sin is besetting, sin will put you in bondage, sin. The way of transgressors is hard, the Bible says. I was studying for this lesson, I was reminded by a song, I believe it's on the album put out by uh, the Camilleri family. The song is Missing Out. I won't sing it to you this morning. But let me, let me review the lyrics with you. We're missing out on the good life, according to men of degree. We're missing out on life's normal pleasures by standards of worldly belief. They say we're too narrow. We should learn to just let go. We're all missing out somehow. When I think of their claims and the pleasures they name, I'll admit I've missed out. I've missed out on the heartaches of living my life in sin. I've missed out on the sorrow of facing this world without him. I have no regrets for the things that I've missed because down deep in my heart, the truth was and is, every day that I live, I thank God for what I've missed. This world is concerned that Christians are missing out socially. They say that our stand with a book in our hand is not right politically. They call our conviction religious addiction. They claim that we're all turned around. We cannot deny one thing they've got right. It's true. We have missed out, missed out on the heartaches of living life in sin, missed out on the sorrow of facing the world without him, have no regrets for the things that I've missed because down deep in my heart, the truth was and is every day that I live, I thank God for what I've missed. By faith, Rahab perished not. We, we see the application in realms of eternity, but let's see the application today and tomorrow and this week and this month and in the, in the next year. If you would just believe that God knows what he's talking about, there are a lot of things that God wants you to miss. The reason that God gives us instructions is to keep us from destruction. <laughs> The reason that God gives direction is to lead us into the way of blessing because there is a, there is a broad road with a wide gate, but it leads to destruction. There is a, a narrow way with a straight gate, but it leads to life. 
And the Lord really does love us and he really does want what's best for us. And, if, and the more we know him, the more we believe that. And if we'd simply just, just take the guidebook, use the roadmap, follow the directions. A lot of pitfalls that he is, he is, he is helping us to avoid. Go, go, go back last weekend for the summers he touched on social media. He preached a lot on music, didn't he? Why is God so emphatic about that? Why do preachers harp on that? Why do you come to youth meetings and you can like, you can probably place a bet on whether or not the preacher is going to preach on the music that you listen to? It's not just about trying to be old fashioned or rob you of all of your cool points. That, 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 that's not the point of it. It's just that the wrong kind of music is going to have a very powerful effect in your life and taking you away from God, away from righteousness, and by that, away from his blessing. Okay? Walk after the flesh. Galatians 6 says, you're going to reap what you sow. Walk after the spirit. Galatians 6 says, you're going to reap what you sow. You'd way rather reap after the spirit then after flesh. Let's go back to Joshua 2. Let's get the historical context for Hebrews 11.31. Joshua chapter 2. Joshua and the battle of Jericho is found in chapters 5 and 6. There's a little preliminary information given us in the lead up to that event. And that is Rahab hiding the spies that came to search out the city as directed by Captain Joshua in Joshua Chapter 2, I want to click, quickly read just part of this account from the chapter. There's so many applications to make. We want to stay on, on topic in the context of Hebrews 11 and point out just a few things from these verses. Joshua chapter 2, verse number 1. Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab, and lodge there. You might immediately think, what are these guys doing at a harlot's house? Well, it was it was a lodging house. It was a hotel. It was a place for travelers to dwell. It's just that the proprietor also had a side business. That was probably fairly profitable. The Bible does not sugarcoat the situation. This woman was not only a heathen, she was an immoral Sinner wasn't an honorable thing, wasn't a noble profession. She wasn't just a single mother trying to make it in life. No, she was a wicked, ungodly, filthy woman. Her story is a great example of the abundance of the grace of God. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. She exercises faith in the one true God. And by grace, through faith, this woman goes from being a harlot in Jericho to a place in the lineage of Jesus Christ. You'll find her name in Matthew chapter 1. Anyway, the spies go into Jericho. They lodge in Rahab's house. And verse number 2 is told the king of Jericho, saying, Well, there came in men hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entering into thy house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, there came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. She reminds you of those uh, Egyptian midwives we read about in Exodus chapter 1 and 2. Uh, here is the king, and it'd be pretty dangerous to lie to the king 
to protect God's people. That's what Rahab chose to do. God blessed her for it. Verse 5 came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate. When it was dark, the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan of the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. Now listen carefully what she says, verses 9 through 11. She said unto them, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. And that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Well, how did she know that? Verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt. What ye did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth Beneath. Now, this is exactly what God had said and what God had promised would happen when he delivered the people from Egypt. It's in Exodus 15. It's in Deuteronomy 2. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 11. He said, when I take you out of Egypt and bring you to Canaan, I will send reports ahead and the people are going to be shaking in their boots. They're going to be afraid that the terror is going to fall upon them. And this is exactly what happened. News got to Jericho. The Hebrews delivered from Egypt. The Hebrews defeated the Amorites. The Hebrews are waging war the, the Hebrews. And these reports come. And the Bible says all the people of Jericho are afraid. Why did the king come to Harlot's, uh, come, to, come to Rahab's house and demand where those Hebrew spies were? Because the entire city was scared to death of what was going to happen when the Hebrews came. In verse number 10, she says, we... Have heard. Verse number 11, she said, We had heard these things. Verse number 11, she said, Our hearts did melt. Verse number 9, All the inhabitants of the land faint. Verse number 11, No more courage left in any man. So everybody got the message. Everybody heard the report. Everybody is scared to death. But notice again, verse number 9. What was Rahab's response? And she said to the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. The end of verse number 11. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now the entire city got the same information, but only Rahab came to this conclusion. They all heard the report. They all felt the terror. Rahab believed in the one true God. Because she believed in the one the true God, she hid the spies. The king heard the report. The king felt the terror, but the king clung to his gods and pursued the spies. You see the difference. Rahab believed in the God of the Hebrews because she trusted him as the one true God, she received the spies with peace. She hid the spies. Her house was spared in the destruction of the city. That's the background in Joshua 2. Come back to Hebrews 11, and then we'll go to James 2. Hebrews 11, read verse 31 again. Hebrews chapter 11, you see how faith works. There is, there is information, revelation. There is knowledge. There is promise there is the word of god and then rahab responds 
in belief, and that belief causes her to do something. Hebrews 11, verse number 31, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not. That was the result or the outcome of her faith. When she had received the spies with peace, that was the evidence or the demonstration of her faith. What did she do? She, she received the spies. She hid the spies. Why did she do it? Because she believed what she'd heard. Hiding the spies, it, that was something she did, but she only did it because of how she responded to the information she was given because her heart trusted in and believed in the one true God, and that's why she hid the spies. Why didn't anybody else want to help out the Hebrews? Because they were clinging to their gods, whereas Rahab was trusting the one true God. You, you see that? That's, that's the faith of Rahab. But come to James 2, because there's a very, very interesting comparison. James chapter 2, we'll, we'll read the verse we're going for and then... Time permitting, we'll back up into the passage and look at it a little more closely. James chapter 2, verse number 25. Look at this. Likewise also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? Hebrews 11 is talking about the faith of Rahab and it references how she received the spies with peace, right? And, and that what we just read, James chapter 2 references the same event, hiding the spies, and says that by doing that, Rahab was justified by works. It seems as if these two passages referencing the same event are saying two completely different things. You, you, you could see why if we're just skimming the surface and if we're not examining the passage in its context and we don't have a, a working knowledge of the entire theme of Scripture, you can see why James 2 and Hebrews 11 put together might become confusing. There are apparent contradictions from time to time. In the Bible, James chapter 2 is a chapter that every false religion that believes in salvation by works will use to try to prove. That's about the only verse that they can try to point to in the Bible that makes it seem as if it is possible for salvation and justification to have anything at all to do with works. So what the world are we supposed to do with this? Well... Let's, let's back up into the context and look at, try, to, try to look at exactly what's being said, and it fits together quite nicely. Verse number 14. Let's go back to verse 14, James 2. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? So, so the context of the passage, what is under discussion is what good does a man's faith do if all he has is something he says? He says he has faith, but there is no visible evidence of his faith. What good is it? What profit is it? 
Verse 14 ends with the question, can faith save him? Now, now verses 15 and 16 are going to be an illustration of the question asked in verse number 14. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, that would be a horrible situation. Somebody doesn't have clothes and they don't have food. It's cold outside and all they've got is a t-shirt and shorts and they haven't eaten in, in a week. And they're your brother or sister. Verse 16, and one of you say to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful for the body. What doth it profit? Do you, do, do you see the same question being asked beginning in verse 14? What doth it profit? End of verse 16, what doth it profit? What good is it to say to somebody who's hungry and naked, be warmed and be filled, but not give them food and not give them clothes? What good do your words do if you don't back them up? That's the question being asked. So can faith save him? It's not saying, can my faith save me? Can my faith profit somebody else? Here's brother and sister, naked destitute of food. Can, 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 my, can my words help them? No, my words can't help them. It has to be my actions. Okay, so, so that's the discussion. That's the context. That's, that's what the passage is about. Whether or not faith is profitable. Verse number 17. Even so, as we're continuing this thought, even so, faith if it have not works, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Look at the definition of dead. It means not producing, not fruitful, not animated. Dead faith is unprofitable faith in the context of James 2. Yea, a man may say, verse 18, thou hast faith and I have works. Again, here's somebody saying something, but is it good enough just to say something? A man may say, I have Faith, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Verse number 19. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But with thou know, O man, that faith without works is dead. What does dead mean? It means unprofitable. Verse 14. Verse 16. What doth it profit? Look at verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar. You're, again, we don't have time to, to, to examine this in detail, but you know the story of Abraham. Genesis 12, he's called by God. The beginning of the Hebrew nation. Genesis 15, God reiterates the promise. And Genesis 15, 6 says, Abraham believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness. And Romans 4 says, Abraham was justified by faith. When he believed the promise of God. Do you know that? Well, James 2 says Abraham was justified by works. But when was Abraham justified by works? When he had offered his son Isaac upon the altar. You know when he believed God was counted him for righteousness? Genesis 15. You know when he offered Isaac upon the altar? Genesis 22. There's a long time in between. Genesis 16 follows 13 years after Genesis 15. And guess what Abraham does in Genesis 16? Fathers a child by his wife's servant, Hagar. 
try to circumvent God's plan and God's way for the promise to be fulfilled. That was, that was, a, that was very much a lack of faith on Abraham's part. Guess what happens in Genesis 17? God makes the promise again. Remember how Abraham responds in Genesis 17? Same way Sarah responds in Genesis 18. Abraham laughs. That wasn't a very faithful response, was it? Genesis 20. Abraham lies to Abimelech. Says, hey Sarah, tell him you're my sister. That'd be weird. He lied to save his neck. Not to save Sarah. To save himself. At that point, if you knew Abraham, if Abraham was your neighbor... And what you knew about him was he fathered a child by his wife's maid, lied to people about whether or not his wife was his wife or his sister, laughed at God's word. How much faith would you think Abraham had? But now come to Genesis 22. And don't turn there in your mind. Come to Genesis 22. And God says, Abraham, offer your son. And Abraham says, okay, because I know. That the promise through this child, and if, if I kill him, you'll just have to raise him up. The Bible says, and the scripture was fulfilled, verse 23. I'm sorry, verse 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. He see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. When did Abraham receive the righteousness of God? When he believed God, Genesis 15. But when was that evident to those around him when he obeyed God in Genesis 22? Justified means declared righteous. God did not declare Abraham righteous in Genesis 22. God declared Abraham righteous in Genesis 15. But guess what? Sarah could now see some righteousness in Abraham. The servants that went with Abraham to Mount Moriah, they could now see some... The faith was becoming profitable. The faith was now influencing his life and his decisions. He was now acting upon belief in the Word of God. Verse 25, Likewise, also... Was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way? By the time the spies got to Jericho in Joshua 2, Rahab had already believed in the one true God. When she spoke with them, that was not her conversion. Her first words to them was, I know the Lord has given you this land. Her first statement to them was, the Lord your God, he is God. By the time the spies got to Jericho, Rahab already had faith. But then she demonstrated that faith. She acted upon that faith. That faith was evidenced in the decisions she made and the way that she lived. When she received the spies, when she hid the spies, it was, it was a visible declaration of her righteousness. See, God sees the faith in your heart, and if you believe on Jesus Christ, you won't perish. But the only way for the, those around you to see the faith in your heart is for you to evidence it with the way that you live and the decisions that you make and your obedience to the Word of God. 
Why did Abraham receive the spies? Hebrews 11. Because she believed God. It was by faith. And the eternal outcome is she did not perish. What did I say? Did I say Abraham received the spies? You know who I meant. Very similar letters in those words. Why did, why, why did Rahab hide the spies in, Genesis, in James 2? Again, it's, it's, it, it's from her faith. The temporal outcome is her works were a demonstration of her faith. So I, do you get where we're going with Rahab? Joshua 2 is what she did. Hebrews 11 is why she did it. James 2 is the temporal outcome. Okay, It's evidence. It's a demonstration. And here's what I want to ask you as we close. Why do you do the things that you do? Why do you make the decisions that you make in your life? Why do you not do the things that you refuse to do? The best motivation, the motivation ought to be, well, this is what God said. I believe what God said. I'm trusting in the Lord's directions. Why, why, why am I going to be separate from those things? Why am I going to refuse some things and choose some things and endure some things? Because I just believe God knows best. I believe God loves me. I believe God deserves my obedience. And I believe he's going to make it worth it. In the short run, in the long run, and everywhere in between. Rahab is a great example of the demonstration of faith as well as its outcome. Let's pray. Father, surely thank you for your word this morning. Help us take these things to heart. Help us to really, truly believe you, trust you, love you, serve you, obey you. Help us to walk by faith, not by sight. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.